You're listening to the Coventry Sphinx podcast. You can follow the fortunes of our football club on Twitter, where we're at Coventry Sphinx or at commentarysphinx.co.uk. If you like the show, please take a moment to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a rating or a review. For more podcasts from Sphinx Football, visit sphinxfootball.com. Welcome to episode two of the Coventry Sphinx podcast with me, Chris Nee, and Sean Thomas, one of our club's joint managers. This is a podcast about a football club from one Saturday to the next and everything in between. Really, it's about life in non-league week by week. And this week, we'll be talking about our preparations for the new season, which should now just be a few weeks away. We don't quite know when we're going to get started, but the idea is that preparations on and off the pitch allow us to be as ready as we can possibly be when those dates finally arrive. We've got a friendly under our belts now. I'll be talking to Sean about that. It was a 6-2 win, but really it was not so much about the result as about fitness. So I'll be finding out if Sean saw what he wanted to see from that game. I'll also talk to him about how he and John Woodward, the other joint manager at the club, view the work they do as first team managers and at coaches at Coventry Sphinx. I spoke to Sean quite a lot over the summer about coaching and tactics and other things like data and football and how players, coaches and supporters observe the game and experience the game. So I want to delve a little bit deeper into how that affects his outlook as the joint manager of Coventry Sphinx, as well as how he views the game more generally. And there are some more new signings to talk about, and that's where this week's show begins. We're here again in the uh, Willie Nibs Memorial Stand, talking exactly where we were last week, Sean, a slightly different set of circumstances. We've played some football Youth team have just had their first friendly of pre-season. First team have been out here training as well. Uh, and there are some names within that first team squad that we can re-announce. Uh, so the first one is is Jack Downs. He's got lots of history at the club. Um, returns for this season. We know he's been working hard in training uh, and seems, from what I've seen, in, in, in pretty good nick. And he won't thank me for saying that he's a versatile player. Signed for his abilities in midfield, I imagine. Yeah, so Jack is um he's very he's he's played a lot of football for still fairly young young years. He's um I, I knew him from when he was first at the Sphinx as well and then he's gone away and I think he's done some personal qualifications in his own personal life. I mean last year I'd heard him doing um Saturday mornings with Bedworth and the twenty ones and going playing in the Comptry Alliance and I think he won players player and managers player in both of those leagues. So um yeah, he's come back, he's he's really fit, he's athletic, he's a good size. Um, he gets up and down the pitch. He can control the control the tempo of the game, and he played really well on Saturday. Just gone, so again, it adds competition to places. And I think what we're looking with most of our signings is that they've got to be able to be um, specialist enough to play in, in their their prime position, but also be versatile enough to play across the across the middle or across their um, unit. We've also brought in James Bryson, defender, uh, who was I think the captain of GMP Sports, our tenants here last season. I don't think I've seen him play since. Did he play in the preseason friendly last year? Uh, I can't he, remember. Yeah, I think he did, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so James has come in and he's been on the radar for quite a while, actually. And I think he's been at GMP for a while and he's come up through the leagues and been a captain for, for a long time. I think there was conversations last year um, around making a move for James. And at that time, we didn't think it was the right time. And James himself was very loyal to GMP, um, which... I think swayed our decision in the summer to really go for him and really make him one of our key signings. He's a, he's a great lad. He's come in. He's he's part of like a very vocal group that are driving the standard. Um, again, he's athletic. He's a good size. He's a good age. He's been around for a little while. Um, he digs in really well in games. And so 
we're hoping that he can be um, a really, really exciting signing for the for the team and for the fans. And we've got two more, two from youth team set up, both still playing youth team football as well. So we brought them in um, to play their role. I think both both have been around the first team last preseason, this preseason. That's Zach Tallinn and, and Cam Welsh. Players we, we know well as as Fink supporters, but what is it about them that, that you and John Wood would have seen in them that, that's brought them through? Yeah, um, again, the two lads, they were... They're part of a, a really strong youth team last year, first year youth players. And I think what we did as a club last year, we used um, four four really regularly. Um, and then Zach and Cam were, were again, the, the slightly outside of that, but still training with us quite often. And I think what they've done is this year, they've gone, they've had a year's worth of youth football. They've grown a little bit. They're both left-footed, which um, adds that different balance to the team. Zach is a really skillful number 10. He gets on the ball and makes things happen. And Cam is a, is a really developing left-back and he, he gets up to the intensity of the game really quickly. He digs in himself. He's got good quality on his left foot. So they're both, they're going to come in and they'll, what they'll do is they'll give us some really good depth to the squad. And then as a club, we've got no issue with throwing them in and, and playing them because they're all good enough. So that's why they've signed. And they're, they're joining a team that does have a lot of youth players that, that have come through, still young, a lot of them. But a nice balance with the likes of Callum Woodward, who've been around at a higher level, played football at a higher level, Liam Kay as well. Um, so we've got a decent balance of, of experience, but also a lot of kind of youth team players that have come through that just help us to all make that connection back with the club. It's nice to have those boys coming through. And then when they go off and play at a high level, they can always come back and skip with a side in a few years' time, can't they? Yeah, that's it. And I think when you look and run through the team, there's there's a really strong connection for quite a few of the lads. And again, it, I guess it's one of the values of the club that when boys do come in and they, they sometimes it is a stepping stone in their career, which which people like Callum and Liam have done. And what we try and do is make sure that they've always welcome back and that the boys do come back and they, they come back better players and they come back and they drive the team forward again. And it's very very much like a sphinx sort of way of doing things we're now in august we finally had our first pre-season friendly last saturday uh 6-2 win for all that matters at the moment against Cannon court old boys we spoke last week about how it was primarily about fitness did you see what you wanted to see at this stage of, of pre-season yeah we did and it was one it was a very typical pre-season game it felt it felt like the first pre-season game and to be good credit to Cannon, they come out the blocks really quickly and um some of the some of the lads didn't really um take on the message what we said about moving the ball quickly in the, the early stages so for about 15 minutes it was like it was good tempo to the game and they were up and at it and they, they came at us and that's exactly what you want from that friendly and I think what ended up happening from that post 15 minutes is that we controlled the game and it was a, a game of cat and mouse really of trying to break a team down and having all the ball and um, we did do that in the end and I think once you come in at half time it was 3-1 and without that giveaway goal it's a, it's a solid first half. We then made a lot of changes, it became quite disjointed to a degree and um, in the end we, we come out winners 6-2. I think the best goal of the day was uh, their second which they scored straight from the kickoff, which was a great strike. Um, so I'm reliably told by someone that was a, a Sphinx player back in the day as well. So it was a great game. And as it stood its purpose, we got what we wanted out of it. When you go into games like that, particularly the first one, is there a set amount of minutes that you're looking to get into each player or is it just kind of done as you go through the match? In theory, yes. We always aim to give the lads uh, 45 Um we were a little bit imbalanced at the weekend, actually. We had more forward players than what we did have um, defenders. And so that made a few square pegs in round holes by the end of the game. But primarily, it's just about getting lads their minutes and getting on to that bobbly pitch and testing out their touches. This coming Saturday, we've got our, our next friend against Kozal Town on the main pitch at, at Sphinx Drive. Last week, we spoke about the unusual pre-season. Typically, this would be our last friendly. So what what's a successful outcome here prep-wise? Because you'd be going into this game normally... Full bore, ready with more or less your first team. You'd still be making a few changes here and there. But 
ordinarily you'd be looking more or less at the 11 that would start the, the league game the following week. Strange one this season. So why is it you want to see on, on Saturday? So Saturday we have, we've got a squad of 20. Um, we've picked up a couple of niggles in training tonight, actually. So I'll check on them boys tomorrow. And I think what we're going to um, aim to do on Saturday is have two competitive sides out. And I don't think we'll do it as, as naturally split as 45 each way and to have two separate teams. But I think we'll have a core of lads that maybe play about 70 um, and then in and around that, there will be others that will get around about 45. And so it will just take a bit of balancing out. And I think what we don't want to do is start off with your perceived strongest side, because I think it's more, it's still about the minutes and it's still about making sure that we're competitive all the way through to that 90th minute. And so from Saturday, what we'll be looking for is that um, starting to see those um that compactness of the team, making sure that we're doing the right things in the right areas, starting to get some of that intensity back into the game, which you do get through training, but it's not all, all the way there. And really, I, I, I'll expect this, and I know managers don't often say it, but you don't want to be losing games at any point. I want to try and build those good habits. So although we say it is for minutes, I just want to see a good a good game and the lads carry out the instructions that they're given. We're sat in between the two pitches at the moment. As someone who's never played on either of them, what can you tell me about a different challenge? Is it a lot harder to play on, on that pitch? Is it better for our game to play on the main pitch? What's the difference between the two? The, the back pitch is very it's very dry and very bopply, so it can test your, test your touch quite often. And uh, I think the lads have to concentrate really hard when the ball's coming towards them just to make sure that they're not looking silly um, and letting the ball bounce over or under their foot. And when you come onto the main pitch, I think it's starting to look in really good nick. And the pitch always plays a certain way. So I think on the main pitch, the game can feel um, a little bit more stretched. I think there's always a space in behind because the teams that we play on here try and keep it compact. The game, the half seemed to run the straight way. We always seem to be going up the hill, uh, up the way on the first half and down the way on the second. The game usually takes a similar pattern, but um, we're hoping to see a little bit more better ball retention and more of a more of focus on the the um, the passing and things like that. Are you expecting a relatively strong lineup from from their side? Yeah, so Coes a, a couple of seasons back managed to get out of the league, and I think they've been consistently a good side for four or five. Yeah, certainly since I've come back to to being involved with football, I've always seen them as a a team that they're no easy. There's no easy game against Coes, and they've managed to get out of the league, and they've been really successful in the league above them. I think what they do on a, from my understanding, is a very uh, modest budget at the level. I think they they pull together really strong sides, and they have a really good nucleus of lads who have played for for the side for a long time. So I think they come over, and I think they come over, and they'll be looking to to do similar things to us in in, in building their preseason towards their season and, and having a good season in that step four league. Over the summer, you and I have spoken uh, about coaching and tactics a couple of times, and I, I want to pull at a few of those threads again. Uh, so people can understand a bit about the work that you and John do um, along with your coaches here. So you, you told me about setting your vision in terms of the style and the attitude of the team. You spoke about non-negotiables. Tell us what you mean by that. Yeah, so it comes from the top of the club. So I think when we turned up tonight, there was um, around about 10 different age group teams on the on the whole site there was games going on there was um, a youth team game setting up and I think once you look around they're all playing under the same badge um, and that's certainly since I was a kid it was always about coming and playing for Sphinx and I think when we are now the senior side you're the team that carries that badge and you, you carry it across the Midlands and into the FA Cup and things like that so the non-negotiables for being a Sphinx player is that you work hard you don't come here and you have um, you don't have any attitudes once you walk through the gate um, so to speak you drop all your your problems and you come and work hard for the hour or for the two hour that it is and so 
for me and, and for John, the non-negotiables are is that you come in, you work hard and, and make sure that you put your shift in because the lads around you are going to do do your, do your shift and they'll back you up. And um, So hopefully that's what we're trying to build is that there's a team there that, that got a great team ethic. And if any team wants to beat us, they're, they're going to have to be a, a decent side. Are they communicated to the players in those terms as a non-negotiable? Are they listed anywhere or is it just that they kind of absorb the expectation of what, what they should be doing. Here. Yeah, so every now and again, we would remind them on our on our uh, um, pre-match board that we have in the changing rooms about non-negotiables. We talk about it on the phone and on the WhatsApp and in the messages. I think you've got people like Callum Woodward who, um, as a captain, he demands those non-negotiables as well. So um, as much as sometimes Callum can, um, can, can give you your information back up the chain as well. But when we pass on the information to Callum, he plays with that same style, that combative style where he demands the standards on the pitch and we try and make sure that they're off the pitch as well. So that's your framework. And then what, what we look for in players is players who will give everything and work hard, but then as well as adhering to a certain level of a system, can go and, for example, win us a football match. So there's a fair amount of freedom in, in the players as well. You don't want robots here. We, there's, there's flair players too. Yeah, and I think what we've been really fortunate to do is over the, the last season, you, you've had play, people come into the club who have got the a great ability up the top of the field. And I think what they are also capable of doing is putting in that shift as well. So when we go to places away, I know that I can count on our forward three to to dig in to get uh, four, four, a bank of four and a bank of five behind the ball and that lad up top digs in and runs and keeps those two sec- centre-backs um, busy and occupied and goes in behind and fronts them up and holds the ball up. So I think when we, even though they've got that flair to them, I think their work rate is is second to none as well. And th- when you add that into the rest of the side, we've got great young characters and great young um, players playing for us with the experience through the spine of the team. I think it makes it really exciting to think about what the, the potential of uh, the team has got and those lads that have come in this year match that really well as well one of the key examples for me um, was remember that awful game at Gresley in the fog yeah. yeah and I was watching from the edge of the attacking penalty area as I usually do and Lewis Noon who as well as being a player who's got his best years ahead of him is a creative skillful um, inventive player but I was noticing him pressing and winning the ball five yards from the edge of their penalty area and before before that game disappeared into the murk it was really gratifying as a supporter to see players like him willing to stick a boot in and work for the side and that's because you've set this baseline of if you don't do that you're not here yeah and I think you what would always happen Chris is there'll always be an off day and I think what you try and do is make sure that those off days are a few and far in between and I think we set our standards really high and there are times when, you know, you can, you, your first touch isn't always going to be amazing. Your first pass isn't always going to be amazing. You don't hit the target of every shot that you take. But what you do is, is you see that the lad's working really hard. And I think that it gives you a lot in football. If people can see you're working hard and, um, and then you've got the quality to boot, I think um, lads can go a really long way. And I think that's what we try to do. And as I said, we won't go, I'll be in dreamland if I think we go to the season and beat them, but you'd be, you'd be tough to beat when you're away from home and you win your home games and all of a sudden you give yourself a really strong platform to be in and around that um, top half of the table post-Christmas and see what we can do by the end of the year. Something I thought was really interesting was how you answered my question about whether your job is to coach people or players. And what you said was that your role is to coach people to become better players. In other words developing people is the right thing to do is what the football club is is here for to a point but results are why we're all here you know we're all here to watch a certain level of football we have ambition we want to be successful so part of your job is 
football results, but part of it's relationships. Yeah, definitely. I think um, none of the staff staff take any expenses from the club, so it does it. I mean, it's really hard work being being in part of a football team, and um, so I'd be lying if I said to you that we did it. We did it just for the enjoyment of it, because there's there's far easier ways of getting you enjoyment from football. We do it to win. We do it to be um, really competitive at this level, but at the same time, we don't lose that vision of we are human. We are. We all want to turn up to a nice environment. We all want to be. Um, part of something that you you know you can look back on and be really proud of. So, I think definitely we get to know the players, and I think that's why character sometimes outweighs skill to a degree. Um, we've had uh, you've been up here, Chris. You've, we've had thirty people at every Tuesday night session, and though there's some boys that have come over a long way, and there's some boys from lo- local area who are all um, really steady, solid, good players, and they could po- put perfectly fit into the side. But what we've done is. He said that you're going to have to have a great character and be better than what we've got. And um, I think that's testament to the lads that we had here at the end of last season. And I think that's why when we touched on it last week, we said that getting those 17, 18 lads signed back on will then give us a basis to go have a great season ahead. When he talked to ex-Sphinx players, the thing they always talk about is how they felt like they belonged to something here. So it's a really great way to, to run a club. And I think that's really important. And one of the things you said to me repeatedly when we spoke over the summer was it's about a bond and another word that's been spoken quite a lot by by you guys but also by Lee Nibs when when he was here was trust and that all comes from those relationships that that you built so how, how important is it that all the boys get on away from football yeah um, it, it's really important I think it's worth points over a season I think when a team becomes fragmented when People are not sticking around at the end when they're rocking up five minutes before and five minutes after they've all disappeared. I think you can you can sense it. And what what we're trying to build is that that team environment. And I mean, gone are the days where we we will go out drinking together every weekend after the end of the game. But the expectation is that you do sit down and listen to your lads and your your teammates. And for an hour, an hour or two after a game, after a training, you've noticed tonight there's boys that are sticking around doing their bits, watching, um, doing their extra fitness stuff, or going and crossing watching youth team and supporting there. So it should be a place where you feel comfortable to come to. And I think if you get that team um, spirit and team um, unity then over a course of a season it will stand you in good stead and I think it's definitely worth five to ten points a season thanks again to Sean for this week's chat we referenced some uh, conversations we'd had earlier in the summer about coaching and Sean's thoughts became an integral part of an article I wrote for Sphinx Football I don't like to blow my own trumpet but I don't mind on this occasion because it's not really about me it's a really good read because it's built around the insights passed on by Sean as well as the football journalists Sam Ty and John Harding about the essence of coaching and the many aspects of the proliferation of data in football. It's called Tactics, Data, Coaching and How We Experience Football and you'll find it at sphinxfootball.com. That's all for this week. Sean and I will be back in seven days or so to put some meat on the bones of our pre-season friendlies. With a bit of luck, we'll also get to talk about some cup draws as the start of the season finally approaches. See you then. Thanks for listening to the Commentary Sphinx podcast, a Sphinx football production. For more of our podcasts, visit sphinxfootball.com.